The sots are back. And welcome back to Story on the Spot. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Anything uh, anything good since last week? Since our last show last week? Everybody. No. no I, well, I changed my background. I'm not in the cave anymore. I would like everybody to recognize that and congratulate <laughs> me for all the hard work I've done. And you have a typewriter with its own lamp. Yep. Isn't that adorable? <laughs> it's adorable. <laughs> um, all right. So, hey, welcome to uh, everyone watching and listening to the show. This is Story on the Spot, the world's first and only thriller fiction improv game show. We haven't been here for a while. It's been about six months since we've done a show, and I'm ready to tell everyone why, why. the truth is I spent a little bit of time in federal prison. Um, I'm out and rehabilitated and ready to be a active, happy, productive member of society. Uh, what else? Uh, <clears throat> all right. What you've been doing on your break? Well, you know, I just kind of got overwhelmed with the modern world a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I wanted to kind of just get in touch with like my more primitive side. And so I joined a cult, um, nice. in Nepal, you know, it was really nice. Um, it got a little weird. Like eventually there was some route they wanted me to eat. They kept saying like, I didn't understand their language, but they kept saying like Joan, J- Jonestown, mm-hmm. Jonestown. And then like a route they wanted me to, to drink a tea of. So I decided, yeah, I decided to just come back and and see what was going on. You must've racked up tons of flyer miles though. Huge. (laughs) Crazy. Huge. Ready for (laughs) Vegas. Craig, what you've, what you've been doing the last few months. I haven't been gone. I've been here every week and just nobody else showed up. That's that's. And uh, at some point, you know, I just finally got so discouraged. I thought everybody was avoiding me. Um, and so I decided, well, if I'm going to be a hermit by force, I might as well be one by choice. And so I went off to the, the Mojave Desert, found an abandoned mine shaft, and I've just been sitting down there mining for gold and haven't found a damn thing. But mm. uh, I've learned a lot about myself, mostly that I make bad choices. The real gold is the friends you make along the way, Craig. Obviously. And I have none of those either. So thanks, no. Jim. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We'd rub it in, Jim. Rub it in, right. Exactly. <laughs> Nick Thacker, how you doing? Uh, I'm well. I um, I haven't stopped either. It's been a whirlwind tour. I joined um, like a traveling comedy troupe called Story Off the Spot, and um, it's been it's weird. I felt like like strangely prepared for what they wanted me to do. Right. Um, they they had these weird articles from like every one of them started with Florida man, and then we had to riff off of what. Um, what actually we would like, like write f- fiction almost, but it was stand up comedy. It was great. It was, it was really cool. Sounds anyway, good to be here. I have no idea what we're going to talk about today, but I'm, I'm excited to jump in. Yeah, what let's do that. Story, um, oh, story on the spot. That's, story on the huh. spot. The original. You know, that's, the originator. That's, that's close to what I was doing the last couple months. Okay. So, viewers and listeners, you're going to watch or listen to each pitch, vote by comment, and then you'll tune in to whenever we do this again to see the winner. Today's bonus word is superfluous, uh, which if you use that, you're going to get one of these, plus you get a bonus point. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the format, because we're doing things a little bit differently. I don't have news articles. I have something that I think is going to be pretty fun and hopefully, I think, easier to riff on. So you're just getting one sentence, and you can pitch a story about whatever you want 
as long as this sentence appears somewhere in the pitch. Make sense? Good. Okay. Here is our first one. I've got a bunch of these, so everybody can go on each one, or you don't have to go if you want. Just pipe up whenever you're ready. Here is our first uh, slide. If we don't get this duck across the border today, then we're both dead. Okay. All right. I got you, man. I'm ready. All right, you gotta... I'm ready. Yeah, dude. <laughs> wow. You know me, man. You know me. The so, ground running. Yeah. So the story uh, takes place uh, at a little uh, southwestern town, a little bit east of El Paso, Texas, right? And uh, we kind of, the story picks up with, uh, you know, two young men. All right. They're seniors in high school. They don't come from much. So they're trying uh, anything they can to kind of make some money so they can. One wants to buy a car and pretend like he's in the Fast and the Furious and the other wants to go to college. So I think those are two admirable goals personally. Um, well, one of their older brothers uh, has a contact in Mexico. Right. And he says, Listen, all you have to do is go go across the border, talk to my guy in Mexico. He's going to set you up. He's going to give you a bag. You got to bring it back to the States. Don't ask what's in the bag. Just, just don't ask. And he goes, are you sure I can? Do not ask what's in the bag. Just do whatever he tells you. So the one friend talks to his buddy. They go, yeah, let's do it. So they take off. They go down. They end up in a, a, a Oaxaca, Mexico, and they meet someone. It's kind of an interesting house. It's a big villa. There's a big like a uh, lake behind it. You know, it's very picturesque and there's all sorts of waterfowl and, and birds and things like that. And uh guy gives them the bag and they go, all right, cool. Well, along the way, they, they have a breakdown with a car and they uh, 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 they're set upon by some cartel guys, right? The cartel guys run them off into the desert and uh, take their bag. Well, they call the brother and say, hey, listen, can you send someone to pick us up? We've had the worst the worst run of luck. This is awful. And uh, the brother says, well, where's the bag, first of all? And they go, we don't we don't have the bag. And the brother goes, what do you mean you don't have the bag? You have to have the bag. And they go, listen, screw the bag, man. Come and get us. Bring us back to the States. And he goes, you don't understand, all right? That bag, right, contains a duck right? And the duck is full of the purest heroin on the planet, right? I've been smuggling drugs in these ducks for years for these guys. These are not guys that you want to play around with. You don't mess with the duck smuggle, all right? Get the duck, get the bag, and get back here. So they hang up. Both the kids are terrified, right? Both the kids are terrified. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And one just starts running around frantic uh, cartel guys and, and duck smugglers. And this is awful. What am I going to do? And the one slaps the other one pow, right in the face. And he says, listen, if we don't get this duck across the border today, then we're both dead. Okay. Now pull yourself together. Let's go find this duck and bring it back to America. The end. <laughs> uh, lovely, R.A. McGee. Absolutely, duck smugglers is our first contender for episode title. <laughs> Does anybody else want to pitch on this? You don't have to, Craig or Nick. Or if you got a story for this, go right ahead. I don't think I'm going to duck around with that story. Actually, well done, nice, <laughs> Craig. <laughs> All right, I'll. I'll take a stab at it oh great this is back in medieval times um 
and there was a king who had managed to capture all of the territory in the the known world there. And uh, he was a very uh, stoutly king, King Corpulent was his his name. And uh, he, his favorite meal was duck. So he got ducks from all over the kingdom, tried them all, ate them, became very bored with the ducks that were at, at his and within reach to put into his gaping maw. And so he put out a call to the kingdom. Like anybody can bring me a duck. I haven't yet tasted. You're going to get half my kingdom. So these two guy, two brothers who had lived in poverty their entire lives, they scoured the kingdom, finally came across this, this farm in the, the far reaches of the kingdom, a very rare duck. And you could only find it that one place. And they tried like, this is the most damn delicious duck we have ever had. We've got to get back to the king. We're going to be we wealthy men. So they tried going back to the king. Come to find out, though, these two men were actually related to the king, distant cousins. And this was their plot to kind of take over part of his kingdom. They'd been feuding for, for many years. The king finds out their plans. So he sends out his you know, men in arms to stop them. Uh, self-protection, grab the duck, keep them from coming so he doesn't have to give them half the kingdom. And they engage in this uh, cat and mouse game, trying to get through the woods and the swamps and, and all of that. And uh, they finally come to the border between this the main kingdom and the the province where they found the duck and the river is at the Ari can't even handle the story he just disappeared yep okay. there, there he is you didn't want to see that face that i just made <laughs> i was gonna make you the star of the, the star of the i'm tale. listening i'm listening yeah, so, the, <laughs> so there's a river there's a, a, a ravine here they have to cross and they're standing on the edge of the ravine and they realize that their entire lives have come down to this to this very moment and they're holding the duck in their hands and like you know what if we i can't remember the line oh whoops no i i'm stuck if we can't get this duck across the border then we're both dead and so what does one of the brothers do he tosses the other brother into the ravine he's alone holding the duck and he's able to make deal with the, the men at arms gives them half the duck and it's so delicious that the army settles for half the duck and they both turn on the king and not only does he get half the kingdom he gets the whole thing nicely done okay so you already saw the next thing mm. oops by the way can anybody hear my twins wrestling in the other room Okay, good. I said, hey, Dad, Daddy has a meeting. Please be quiet. What do they do? They're in there having uh, a Hulk throwdown. So that's why I was partially brother. distracted during that story. I was just making sure nobody else could hear it. Nah, you're, you're all good, Craig. Okay, I'm good. actually going to skip that next one because the one after it is much, much better. So here we go. If I find fewer than three snickerdoodle cookies in this container, we're going to have a problem. That applies to my twins, too. Hmm. <laughs> Nick, do you want to go first since you skipped out on round one? Oh, God, I hate this show. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> Thanks for coming, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't even know where to begin. I just. Anything you want. I like the news stories better because it would give me something to go off. Okay. This I got you. I got you. Let me. I'll buy you some time, Nick. I'll buy you some time. <laughs> just right. give me. Give me a little bit. I got you, brother. Don't worry. So here's what we're dealing with, okay? What most people don't know is that the 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 mascots that we see on our readily available brands of cookies and things like that, they're caricatures of the actual creatures that make these make these brands and, and these cookies. So like there is actually a Tony the Tiger 
You know what I mean? There's the snap, crackle, pop guys. There's all these guys. And very much in the tradition of um, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, they kind of all have a beef and they're all after each other. Well, the Keebler elf, right? The Keebler elf, not the little happy guy that you see, you know, on in the little, the little, uh, the tree and stuff, but the actual Keebler elf is more akin to like John Gotti than like these little happy, like food guys, you know? And so he's been noticing that every year their share of the market is being eroded and eroded and eroded and eroded. And he's starting to figure out that their downfall happened when Girl Scouts started selling cookies. All right. So his first instinct is to just off them all. But then he realizes like a genocide against like a million little girls is probably not good for PR. So he thinks, why don't I go? I'll dress up in normal clothing, right? So no one knows I'm an elf. I'll go uh, to Walmart because I know that they'll be outside and accost me to buy some Girl Scout cookies. And then I'll get some snickerdoodles because I've heard good things about the snickerdoodles, right? I'll bring them back to my laboratory, right? And I'll have my guys deconstruct these cookies, right? Deconstruct them so we can figure out what's working for the cookies and we can kind of emulate we can emulate their uh, th their recipe. Maybe we can get something going for it, right? So he takes the cookies, puts them in a jar in the laboratory, right? Puts the top, seals it tight, right? Well, the next day he walks into the laboratory and it looks a little weird, right? It looks like there was it was full and now it looks like it might be a little less, right? He tries to do some work on them. It's not working, right? He goes in the next day to the laboratory, sees his scientists, ask him how it's going. The, the jar's a little less. Again, it's a little less, right? It's like, what, what's, what is going on with these cookies, right? He goes in the following day, and he turns around, uh, and he's looking at the guys, and he goes, where, where the F are all these cookies going, right? I'm sick of this snickerdoodle bullshit, okay? Where are my snickerdoodles? They turn around, and their faces are covered with crumbs, right? It's obvious. It's obvious that they've been eating them, right? And the elf, Keebler Elf King, is so mad that his guys are eating and fraternizing with the, the enemy's cookies that he says, if I find fewer than three snickerdoodle cookies in this container, we're going to have a problem. And he storms yeah. out of there. <laughs> Aria is lovely. Okay, right. Nick, no pressure. Now go. Nope, no pressure. No pressure. Here, here's the deal. <laughs> what we've got here, clearly. Oh, his internet froze, guys. No. <laughs> it's Not alien. Lying, Nick. <laughs> it's alien. Oh, I see. It's... <laughs> there you go. Everybody's got to do it. All right, that's the end of my story. No, um, so what we've got here is a situation where we've got about 30 years into the future. And uh, the world has been uh, taken over essentially by aliens. And the only way that these aliens will leave humanity alone and not eat us is if we cook snickerdoodle cookies for them. Because we found out that, that they just really love these snickerdoodle cookies. And so we, um, we have a hero and this hero in the story decides that he is going to once and for all solve the problem 
of the snickerdoodle shortage because, you know, there's just not enough bakers that can make snickerdoodle cookies. And the aliens are starting to look kind of sidelong. Is that the right term? At some of the humans like, hmm, you look tasty, you know, and everyone's been eating these snickerdoodle cookies. So we're all sweet and, you know, kind of fat and everything. So you know, aliens, not wrong. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so, you know, you make cookies and most people, they can't not eat a snickerdoodle when you bake them. So everyone's fat on snickerdoodles, even though they've been making them for their aliens. Um, that it's kind of like the British invasion that kind of came over and, and uh, not the British invasion about punk rock, but like, like the real British invasion where like they lived in our houses and stuff. Um, Brits already know so much. I like Brits. Um, that's a little throwback there. So um, anyway, what we've, what we've got is this hero who finally figures out the solution is to go up onto this mountain in Seattle. And um, he's, he's trying to, he's trying to figure out a better way to feed these aliens and keep them all fed. And, and he remembers that 30 years ago, there was this weird, eclectic show um, called a podcast, which was a very brief um, phenomenon in, in, in American society back then, 30 years ago. But, but there's this really popular podcast that actually um, figured out how to get an endless supply of hot dogs to rain down from outer space. <laughs> and feed the aliens and so he does that and i guess i was supposed to use the 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 sentence but i don't really like the whole the whole scheme of the of the game so you know at some point in the book he says if i find fewer than three snickerdoodle cookies in this container we're gonna have a problem but the really the book's about the hot dogs from outer space as a throwback and um i think i mean that's a wrap folks like i'm not sure what else we can add to that i think i want to i'm gonna throw the most important things that i said were um aliens and hot dogs from outer space. And then I, I did get the point for using the sentence correctly. That is a, Nick did a callback to episode 25, I think, or so. It's no called Hot Dogs from Outer Space. No uh, Desiree suggested snickerdoodle bullshit. I'm not, that's a great title, but I'm not sure how Apple Podcasts is going to <laughs> like that. We so, might have just earned our parental advisory note. <laughs> we might have. All right. Uh, let's get on to the next one here the long haul trucker and the debutante formed an unlikely friendship that day but a lasting one reach deep into your brains i mean i gotta let somebody else go for it i can't go first again i mean if nobody's got i don't you don't have to pitch on every single thing if yeah, nobody's yeah. got uh <clears throat> all right i'll do it Tell us about the long haul trucker and the debutante, Craig. So the sun is setting, right? He's approaching, he's coming through dinner. And if you've through Colorado, you you know, a couple of you have lived there and do live there. And you don't really see the mountains necessarily coming from the east until you get towards Denver a ways. So he's pulling up there. The sun is, you know, beginning to set. Beautiful scene, beautiful scene. Um, and the trucker pulls, he sees this debutante on the side of the road. And so he pulls over and says, can I give you a ride? And she says, why, of course. I've been waiting for somebody who looks just like you and drives a truck. <laughs> so please allow me to, to take a ride with you. This happens way more than you would think. <laughs> so she gets in there. They're driving along. and They start talking about their lives. And the trucker starts. He just feels compelled, drawn to open up to this person. He's normally reserved and, and quiet, but he just starts opening up, tells her about his hopes and his dreams and how he's been driving the truck for you know 25 years now, but he really 
uh, wanted to be a poet back in the day. And he's just, he gave up his dream of being a poet and uh, has become a trucker just, you know, for practicality's sake. And she's like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. She's like, you know, I, I haven't always wanted to be a debutante. I have long wanted to, to be a long haul trucker. And they're like, yo, you know, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> well, they get to the, <laughs> they get to the border of Colorado. This is my favorite story I've ever heard. Please keep going. <laughs> and they realize, you know what? We should join forces. We could become a poetic team of the debutante long haul trucker. In fact, we could even switch roles. The long haul trucker, you know, I could become debutante and that would give me opportunity. It wouldn't be working so hard. And I could, you know, pursue my dream of being a poet. The debutante says, you know what? I could get rid of all this ridiculous societal pressure and I could become a truck driver. And like, that's an absolute. So they, so they switch seats. She's driving along, miraculously knows how to handle all, you know, all the controls there. And they're driving along. And uh, the trucker's, you know, pinning poems. He doesn't waste, want to waste any time. She reads a few of his poems at the next truck stop. And she says, you know what? We're going to have to switch back. Your poems are so terrible, <laughs> awful, horrific. You really should go back to being a truck driver. <laughs> and after this, this brief counseling session, the trucker's like, you know what? That is absolutely true. Here I have just spent 25 years bemoaning my fate, having to be a trucker. And I suddenly realize that, you know what, if I had pursued the dream being a poet, I never would have made it because my poems are terrible and they suck. And I would be living under a bridge right now, at least with truck driving. I make a good living. I take care of my family. And the debutante says, you're married. That's beside the point. So Because <laughs> they had already done other things prior. So I, I didn't want to get into this on the family show. <laughs> So anyhow, they they, they end, actually end up right, and the truck driver says, "You know what? You need to enjoy this time in your life. There's no reason to to rush into trucking. You've got plenty of time to be a truck driver at any point." And so, you know what? That's very true. I'm so glad we met one another. And so, as the sun slowly goes down, finishes falling down the uh, behind the horizon, there they just kind of look at each other and they they bond. And from that moment. <clears throat> <laughs> the long haul truck and the debutante formed an unlikely friendship that day, but a lasting one. Wow. Team Jerker, man. Wow. I got a little something in my eye after that. Well done. Yeah. yeah. Well well done. Done. Like, get the get her done burrito for <laughs> Oh, my God. Wow. Well, <laughs> um, Nick, I was right. something way better, but I mean, now that he won the burrito, I'm not sure there's a point. So. <laughs> Guess I'll pass. Ari, right, you gonna pitch on this or should I keep moving on? Uh, you know what? I'll do, I got a quick one. I okay. A quick one. All right. So uh, a young man uh, has decided that he listened to the news long enough to learn that trucking was a viable industry for him. Right. So he forged his CDL license and set out one day. Right. He doesn't really know what he's doing very well, but he manages the stick shift and all that stuff until he gets a flat tire. Right. The flat tire, he's on the side of the road. The guy's got nothing. He can't figure out where the jack is. He can't figure out how to get the lug nuts off. He's all kinds of screwed, right? He sits down on the side of the road, and he's crying like a baby, right? Well, a few minutes later, a BMW pulls over to the side of the road, right? Door opens up. Out swings a very uh, uh, classily clad leg, right? 
she stands up and it's a woman, right? A young woman. She's going to a, a debutante ball, right? And she says, uh, hey, buddy, can I can I help you? Can I help you? And he goes, I, I don't know how to change the tire. If I, uh, What am I going to do? And she goes, well, I wasn't always training for a debutante ball. Prior to this, my dad was a trucker and taught me how to change tires. And... <laughs> And <laughs> move my face, Jim. Move my face. <laughs> the long haul trucker. That's right. I didn't. I didn't realize we were already there. Huh? She said, "Oh yeah, it was a quick one." After she <laughs> changed his tire and sent him on his way, the long haul trucker and the debutante formed an unlikely friendship that day, but a lasting one. Ooh, that was beautiful. These stories are getting to me. <laughs> Um, all right, breaking news. Anybody have anything to announce, promote? Anybody got a new book coming out this week, last week, next week? No, but I given the I, if, if the timing is as good as it has been with a break between the show, I might have something out by <laughs> next week, meaning December. Craig, you're a dick. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to announce Harvey Bennett, 37. Uh, <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, I'm having a grandkid next episode. <laughs> we, we, we came together because it's Yom Kippur to celebrate the holiday. I don't think any of us here are Jewish. We're all just huge fans of the holiday. L'chaim. So, huge. L'chaim, this is our Yom Kippur special. All right. If nobody, does anybody else want to announce anything? Real? Nope. Okay. All right. Do do do. Okay, just got a couple more, right? Yeah, just a couple more. Uh, all right, here's a good one. No one thought that media was very social after all. Hmm. Hmm. If it's no good, I could skip. That it. one's really vague. It's okay. It's okay. All right. Okay. All right. So, uh, at the uh, Facebook headquarters, uh, uh, which is in where California, I think, right? Mm-hmm. You know where Facebook is. Okay. Um, they have been. Uh, well, let's face it; they're just kind of taking over the world, and they've been doing some repairs uh, to the structure itself, right? So they have. You know, they're putting like uh, new beams up, like new uh, big like billboards. They have those special uh, fiber optic, you know, uh, 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 screens and stuff like that. You know, real fancy type business, right? Well, a a young man was walking into Facebook uh, because he was really excited about working for them and really trying to expand uh, the social media giants presence and get their fingers and tentacles into all kinds of things. Right. Well, there was a tragic accident and the large screen that had the big Facebook logo fell off of the building hurtled towards the earth and slammed on our guy and pancaked him flat. Right. And no one, thought that media was very social <laughs> okay that was After well all. done <laughs> nice craig you want to pitch on this or do you want to no craig I'm, or gonna, nick, I'm going to skip, skip this one on this one yep nick you want to skip this one 
Okay. We only got uh run out of time. So we've got a couple things left, maybe one pitch, we've got two prompts, maybe one pitch per. When he looks back on all the things he learned, one stood out the most, how to pack for a long flight. Anybody want to pitch on this one? Nope. All right, moving on. Here is our last prompt. So the secret ingredient was salt? If only the Canadians had found out in time. <laughs> okay. I'll do it. Okay. All right. So North America is at war. Canada versus the uh, United States, right? And surprisingly, perhaps, Canada prevailed. Uh, mostly because they just were so nice that the United States just could not seem to pull the trigger literally or figuratively. And uh, they ended up taking over the United States just by being so damn nice. Turns out they weren't as nice as they might have appeared though. And because once you get them alone with their conquered peoples, turns out they have pretty hefty appetites for Americans, literally speaking. I can hear my kids out there. Mm. Anyway, uh, speaking of, uh, anyway, so they <laughs> begin to dine upon their newly conquered subjects. Um, but they begin the uh, strange plague starts coming over the Canadians, and it only seems to to be striking them. Come to find out through extensive research that Americans are somewhat toxic, and the only way to neutralize that toxicity is through salt. But because Canadians are, are so you know, happy and healthy, they don't use a lot of that. Um, so they end up killing themselves off, even though they won won the war. And if I had a certain line to read, I could wrap up. So the secret ingredient was salt after all. And if only the Canadians had found out in time, they would have stayed in power long enough to enjoy the spoils of war. If only. Sad. Very sad. Okay, well, to round us out here. There's a similar story, um, alternate history. Uh, Craig's was alternate history. Mine's real history, um, where uh, the Canadians are trying to succeed as a nation state, and they just they just can't do it. They they keep getting conquered by people. Um, you know, even even the indigenous people that they overthrew when they first got there are starting to revolt and come back, and they're just so nice that they just kind of roll over and and they can't quite figure out what they need to do differently. Now they keep looking at their, at their much richer, much better looking uh, Southern cousins, the Americans, and, and they're seeing the Americans succeed wildly beyond their, beyond their dreams. And, and they can't figure out why, because the Americans really don't have anything going for them other than their dastardly good looks uh, and a lot of corn. And they're like, well, we have corn and we've got some good looking ones. And, and so we're going to make the prime minister, this really good looking person, um, and, and, and it just, nothing seemed to work. And so finally our hero goes South and he says, I'm determined to figure out why it is that America is successful and doesn't keep getting overthrown when my own home country can't not get overthrown every, every weekend. There's somebody else coming in going, Hey guys, uh, you belong to us now. And it's just, it's just frustrating. You know, it's just fresh. All the people, everybody blood in the streets and tanks everywhere and everyone's dying and, it's just really frustrating and, and, and disheartening for him. So he goes south and he uh, knocks on the door uh, at the White House and they let him in because he's Canadian. And, and he's like, hey, what's going on? Like, I don't understand why we keep getting overthrown. Um, and, and the Americans, you know, they laugh and they chuckle and all that. And, and they're like, well, 
son, come in, come in here, come in. Just well, let me show you what it is. And, and he listens to live. He listens and gets to see this, this live broadcast um, of the American president bitching and moaning about all the, the ways that the world has done him wrong and, um, and why Americans are so angry. And he's just, he's just really salty. <laughs> and he can't, and he, all of a sudden this, this kid just goes, so the secret ingredient was salt. <laughs> if only the Canadians had found out in time. Nice. Nice. Thank you, Nick. Way to take salt and put a little twist on it. <laughs> Alternate meaning. I'm a writer. I'm a writer. <laughs> now, um, we're coming to the end, I, I assume here, but nobody's used the secret word. So I just want to know that since I, I am... I that was a bit superfluous. I, no, no, no. Hey. Don't worry. Since, don't since worry. I am the most superfluous member of the cast, <laughs> do I get a point automatically? Craig, you're not superfluous. You are our full-time, occasional, recurring, <laughs> special guest. I, something. There are a few more words in there. But Craig, it doesn't mean I'm just gonna. I'm just trying to get a, a free bonus. <laughs> Goodness. Goodness. <laughs> All right. Are, are we done or are no, you I have one to this. pitch? I got this. I got this. Okay. So this is Bring what us this, home, is, RA. this is what really happened. Okay. So we tragically found out that in the the northern hinterlands above Canada, uh, many, many eons ago, an alien race crash landed. Right. And they were down there and they were hibernating this whole time. Okay. Well, their ship was busted. They don't have any technology. So what they essentially did was they kind of just moved south in a gigantic horde. Right. And started just devouring everything that was in their path. Well, there was an intrepid scientist, right, who used biology to break down these aliens. Uh, uh, genome sequence and he came up with a uh, a cocktail that you could mix together and it was deadly to the aliens and the problem is that as he was sending out the ingredients to everyone his computer kind of crashed and he had like a problem and so the ingredient list was a little bit truncated right and so what happened was the uh, the doctor was talking to people while he was attacked, sending out his thing. And so on on film, it's you know it's this, it's this, it's this, it's that, and it's the it's 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 the thing that you oh what's that thing called? You guys have it, eh, eh, right? Right. He was an Indian. He was an Indian doctor. So he he the translation was messed up. He was trying to explain to them it was something that you guys have in abundance that you're well known for. And so the Canadians go, he's obviously talking about syrup, right? Cause we're Canadian. So <laughs> I can't believe this syrup is part of this cocktail, but it's amazing. So they mix up the cocktail. It's got syrup. It's got everything. And uh, they march out to meet them in battle. It's a real game of Thrones esque scene. And they promptly get devoured and torn to bits because you know, the syrup is just not working. Their magical ingredient isn't working. Well, the Indian doctor's uh, uh, apprentice who was in the States is working hard to try to decode this and figure out. And he runs all these tests and he makes up a, a test unit, right? And he gives it to a special forces soldier who 
parachutes behind the lines and kills all sorts of all sorts of aliens with this this new recipe and he calls back and he goes you know hey uh your recipe was a success it was a go your everything was good how did you how did you crack the code what is what's in this what's in this uh what's in this and he goes well all i did was instead of syrup i i i added i added road salt and the special forces soldier looked at him and with all the pressure of all his Canadian compadres killed in the line of duty, stood on a mass of alien bodies and said, so the secret ingredient was salt. If only the Canadians had found out in time. Yay! Very <laughs> nice. everyone. And you know what? That's our show. Uh, that is the end of our show. Um... Anybody want to have any parting words, any last words, anything you want to say before we get out of here? I just like how when we all get to the end of the story, need the line. We're like desperate actors. Line, line. <laughs> and Jim's like, I control your fate. <laughs> you may I'm, not have the line. It's going to leave you hanging a little bit longer. Wait, we should have come up with a specific hand signal. Or something. I'm just, you I'm doing not. this to move my face. My face is in the way. Move it. <laughs> Hey, if you a viewer or listener stuck to the end of the show, we're very glad you're here and we won't be back next week, but we will be back uh, hopefully more frequently than every six months. You know, when's the next Jewish holiday? Uh, Hanukkah, probably. No we'll knows. definitely be back for Hanukkah no um, or Kwanzaa. We'll see. Kwanzaa. That's Jewish. No, it's Jewish. No, but we're just looking and looking to attach ourselves to holidays, okay. basically. Uh, we're, so we're like uh, big corporations. We're yes. going to attach ourselves to holidays <laughs> yeah. like we care. Next June, we will have a rainbow SOTS logo all month long, and then it will be gone on Juneteenth. If we don't have Juneteenth, I'm going to be angry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everyone. Thanks for watching. We'll see you later. Bye, Bye everyone.